<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, September 18th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, the Commerce Department has officially brought the hammer down. WeChat is banned on Sunday. TikTok is banned on Sunday also, but it's complicated. Paytm is banned from the Google Play Store in India. Facebook decides that Facebook is too toxic for its own workers to use. And of course, the weekend long read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. This morning, the Commerce Department announced that it will ban U.S. downloads of and business transactions with TikTok and WeChat on Sunday. So are these stories done now? Probably not even close, quoting CNBC. The announcement comes ahead of an expected statement Friday by President Donald Trump on whether or not the government will approve a deal for Oracle to take a minority stake in TikTok and become a trusted technology partner for the company in the U.S., It's unclear if the Commerce Department's announcement means there's no possibility of a deal going through before this Sunday deadline. It could be an aggressive move from the Trump administration to push for its original intention to force TikTok to become fully owned by a U.S. company. The Commerce statement said that starting Sunday, U.S. companies will be banned from distributing WeChat and TikTok, meaning the two major mobile app stores run by Apple and Google will have to remove the apps from their libraries. The statement also blocks U.S. companies from providing services through WeChat, quote, for the purpose of transferring funds or processing payments within the U.S., end quote. But the announcement also lays out a separate time frame specific to TikTok, giving it until November 12th to resolve the U.S. national security concerns. The rules that start November 12th include provisions that block U.S. companies from providing internet hosting and services for TikTok. This could be directed at the deal being negotiated between TikTok and Oracle, which would provide cloud services for TikTok if Trump approves, and could give TikTok and Oracle more time to hammer out a deal that will satisfy the president. In an interview with Fox Business on Friday, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross said the bans will affect TikTok and WeChat differently at first. He said TikTok will still function, but users will not be able to upgrade the app. It's still unclear what kind of functionality WeChat will have in the U.S. after Sunday, but it's unclear whether or not TikTok will still be allowed in mobile app stores, but not allowed to provide updates to users, end quote. Note the date of that extended TikTok deadline, November 12th. Certainly, that gives all sides more time to negotiate a deal, but as Peter Kafka pointed out on Twitter, WeChat enormously popular with Chinese Americans, owned by a Chinese company, will be crippled by the U.S. on Sunday night. TikTok, enormously popular with Americans, including some Trump voters, owned by a Chinese company, trying to do a deal with Trump supporters. It will be okay through Election Day, end quote. More headlines and rumors have been bouncing around over the last 12 to 24 hours. ByteDance is apparently planning on a U.S. IPO for whatever new TikTok business is carved out, if it's allowed to be carved out. An agreement has been hammered out between ByteDance and Oracle that includes the creation of an oversight board approved by the U.S. government and a continuous third-party audit. And finally, most juicy... 
Sources are telling the New York Times that Instagram co-founder Kevin Systrom has had preliminary talks about becoming TikTok's new CEO if TikTok is allowed to continue. As Josh Constein tweeted, Instagram's Kevin Systrom becoming TikTok's CEO and crushing reels would be the ultimate revenge for Zuckerberg stripping his autonomy. So spicy, end quote. This is completely unrelated to governmental issues, but it's worth noting nonetheless that Google has pulled India's Paytm app from the Google Play Store in India, which is a big deal, considering what a big deal Paytm is in India. Paytm is India's most valuable startup. It has 50 million monthly active users, and its marquee app is a direct competitor to Google Pay in India. Sources are saying that the reason for the at least temporary ban of Paytm was that the app was repeatedly running afoul of the Play Store's gambling policies. And guess what? The Indian Premier League cricket tournament is about to start. Quoting TechCrunch, Google said that Play Store prohibits online casinos and other unregulated gambling apps that facilitate sports betting in India. Paytm, which has promoted fantasy sports services within its marquee app, repeatedly violated Play Store's policies, two people familiar with the matter told TechCrunch. Paytm's fantasy sports service, called Paytm First Games, was also available as a standalone app, and it has been pulled from the Play Store, too. The Android maker, which maintains similar guidelines around gambling in most other markets, additionally noted that if an app leads consumers to an external website that allows them to participate in paid tournaments to win real money or cash prizes, they will also be deemed in violation of its Play Store policies. In an email Google has sent to many firms in India, and which was reviewed by TechCrunch, the company has asked developers to pause all advertising campaigns in their apps to drive users to websites that offer installation files of sports betting apps, end quote. So I'm assuming this is an India-specific situation, or should, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel be nervous right now? A bug in the first public release of iOS 14 is making that option to switch your default browser or email app to something else not work for some people, or at least it works, but then it doesn't work. Folks are saying that the settings tend to reset to Apple's Safari or Mail app when your iOS device reboots, quoting 9to5Mac. If you set Chrome as the default browser, but then your iPhone dies or you need to reboot it, Safari will once again become the default browser app until you go back into the settings app and make the change again. The same applies to email apps such as Microsoft Outlook and Spark as well. This is almost certainly some sort of bug on Apple's side because it is affecting email and browser apps from multiple companies, including Google, Microsoft, and Readle. On Twitter, a Google Chrome engineer has acknowledged the problem, though the ball is likely in Apple's court to roll out some sort of fix, unless this is bizarrely the intended behavior, end quote. Also, Eagle Eyes have found that in the iOS 14.2 developer beta, there is now a music recognition feature in Control Center that makes use of Shazam technology to identify songs or clips of audio inside apps as well as out in the wild as per normal. Apple, of course, bought Shazam back in 2018, quoting The Verge. You could already use Siri to summon Shazam and identify songs playing around you, but being able to identify music in your apps could be handy too if, say, you're wondering what song that creator picked for their TikTok or YouTube video. Interestingly, Android users have been able to use Shazam to identify music playing through headphones since June 2019. It's not clear why the feature took more than a year to arrive on iOS. 
We're not yet sure when the final iOS 14.2 might arrive with this feature, iOS 14 just released the other day, or if it could even slip into a further release. But with new iPhones set to launch sometime in October, perhaps we'll see a release around then, end quote. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tech meme zocdoc.com slash tech meme let's be real for a minute most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could the problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night but today's sponsor cuts has finally changed that cuts t-shirts are such high quality wrinkle free and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down yeah you heard that wrinkle free you never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again if you see me in a t-shirt it's likely one from cuts i'm also a huge fan of their ao5 pocket pants the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants like literally my ideal venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling when you touch something from cuts you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at cutsclothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. Cutsclothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. And a couple of Facebook stories today before we get to the long reads. Facebook says it will start limiting the spread of private groups focused on health advice, as well as groups with ties to violence, and will archive some groups that don't have admins. So if Facebook is now proactively waking up to the fact that there are some bad things going on inside their groups, how should we read that? Are they getting better at being proactive, not waiting around for literal bloodshed to happen to make some changes? Or does this mean that Facebook knows the stuff going on in some groups is way worse than we know? Quoting CNBC, The company will no longer show health groups in its recommendations, saying in a blog post that, quote, it's crucial that people get their health information from authoritative sources, end quote. In the past, closed groups have been used by Facebook users to spread misinformation about vaccines and COVID-19. Additionally, Facebook will now archive groups that do not have admins, which are key to moderating groups. If an admin steps down from their role, they can invite other group members to replace them. Facebook will also suggest this role to active members, but if no one steps up, the company will archive these groups. 
If Facebook removes a group for policy reasons, administrators and moderators of that group will be unable to create any new groups for a period of time. Facebook also said it will prevent the admins and moderators of any groups that it removes for policy violations from creating any new groups, quote, for a period of time, although the company did not specify how long that window lasts, end quote. And also, I don't know how many people know this, but Facebook as a company actually runs on top of Facebook. Facebook's internal communication system is just a private version of Facebook called Workplace. You think you're annoyed by having to do all of your work and interact with all of your employees inside of Slack? Imagine doing it inside of a modified version of Facebook. Well, anyway, the story here is that Facebook says it will now specify which parts of its internal workplace are for discussing political issues so staffers don't have to confront such issues while they're working. Quoting CNBC, The changes follow a set of recent leaks from Workplace and the company's weekly Q&As showing that employees have increased their criticism of the company's policies. Under the new set of principles, Zuckerberg said, Facebook will ensure all employees feel supported at work, especially the company's black community, by strengthening the company's harassment policy with more protections for underrepresented employees. The company will also be more specific about which parts of Workplace can be used to discuss social and political issues. This change will be so that employees do not have to confront social issues during their day-to-day work. Facebook's new principles also ask that employees communicate with professionalism and continue to debate about the company's work, but do so in a respectful manner, end quote. So yes, I'm flagging this because of the irony that Facebook itself finds the Facebook platform itself too toxic and too chaotic for Facebook's actual employees. Now, maybe they could have a similar consideration for the rest of us. As Hamza Shaban tweeted, quote, the same company that can't seem to facilitate discussions among its own employees about contentious issues wants the public to believe it can host constructive debate for the entire country and the world, end quote. Daniel Kreese noted, It was a mere one year ago that Mark Zuckerberg gave his famous Georgetown speech where he said, quote, democracy depends on the idea that we hold each other's right to express ourselves and be heard above our own desire to always get the outcomes we want, end quote. Which again is ironic because along these sorts of lines, as Jeet here tweeted, quote, Facebook has finally found incendiary speech that it thinks needs to be moderated any criticism of Facebook management, end quote. And I'll let Adam Rogers sum it up with this tweet, quote, The recursion loop here is going to be brutal. Somewhere down at the bottom of all of this is a Facebook singularity, end quote. Time for the weekend long read suggestions. First up, the story of the billionaire who has succeeded in giving away all of his money before he actually has died. Chuck Feeney made his billions in duty-free shopping, so he's not in tech exactly. But we talk so much about tech billionaires and the idea of them being philanthropists, I thought I'd point out giving away your entire fortune while you're still alive is actually not that easy to do. Blowing your fortune, that can be easy. Giving it away smartly, not so much. Quote, At its height, the Atlantic Philanthropies had 300-plus employees and 10 global offices across seven time zones. The specific closure date was set years ago as part of his long-term plan to make high-risk, high-impact donations by setting a hard deadline to give away all his money and close shop. The 2020 expiration date added urgency and discipline. 
It gave the Atlantic Philanthropies the time to document its history, reflect on wins and losses, and create a strategy for other institutions to follow. As Feeney told me in 2019, our giving is based on the opportunities, not a plan to stay in business for a long time. One of Feeney's final gifts, $350 million for Cornell to build a technology campus on New York City's Roosevelt Island, is a classic example of his giving philosophy. While notoriously frugal in his own life, Feeney was ready to spend big and go for broke when the value and potential impact outweighed the risk, end quote. Next, we've spoken a lot about cloud gaming this year, so I was surprised to read this Q&A with Take-Two Interactive's CEO Strauss Zellick on his overall skepticism about cloud gaming generally. Quote, There was an enormous amount of hype around movement to the cloud for interactive entertainment distribution. There were some parties who were saying there are 130 million to 140 million current-gen consoles out there, yet there are billions of PCs out there. You know, if you could make, in a frictionless way, console video games available to everyone who has a PC or a tablet or a phone, then your market size automatically would be 20x, just mathematically. Of course, that doesn't make any sense at all, because the implication is you are super interested in video games, but you were just unwilling to buy a console? I mean, I'm sure there were people like that, but if they are so interested that they want to pay $60 or $70 for a frontline title, it's hard for me to believe they were unwilling to spend $250 on a console to be able to do it ever in their life. We've sold 135 million units of Grand Theft Auto V, 32 million units of Red Dead Redemption. I wish I could tell you that there will come a point where various cloud gaming services will mean those numbers are doubled or tripled, but I really don't see it, end quote. There's also some discussion in this interview about those frontline titles moving to that $70 price point, so read up on that if interested. Next, we've also spoken a ton, of course, about the new reality of mass remote work in these pandemic times. But did you know there's a massive, perhaps trillion-dollar economy tied to the very idea of offices? And, well, that huge market is suffering, as you might imagine. Think of everything from airlines to Starbucks and realize how much a massive part of our economy is built on the very notion of white-collar workers working in actual offices, quoting from Maker. These workers shopped at small businesses like Silva's Shoe Repair Shop, dry cleaners, gyms, food carts, florists, and pharmacies. But they were also among the most vital customers and source of revenue for a slew of larger, less obvious businesses. Food delivery companies like Grubhub and Uber Eats, and companies like Xerox, the maker of printing supplies. Amid COVID-19, workwear destinations Brooks Brothers and J. Crew have filed for bankruptcy protection, with Brooks Brothers selling itself last month. And on its quarterly earnings call in late July, Starbucks attributed the loss of some $2 billion year-on-year to deserted urban office corridors. Starting off their day at home, remote workers are simply not queuing up in the same numbers for a morning venti latte, end quote. This is a bit beyond my age bracket, but for anyone just a few years younger than me and beyond, Angela Lashbrook in 1-0 talks about the phenomenon of teenage email addresses or old IM accounts languishing behind an old password somewhere, and what can happen if you lose access to that account and all those stored memories. Quote, going back to old MySpace photo albums or AIM conversations can take you back to those early friendships and romances. A mention of a weekend camping trip with a friend in an email thread can trigger further memories of the experience. A photo of a teenage self posting in a prom outfit can provoke a flood of recollections about the crush you had at the time. But if you lose access to those virtual memory spaces, some of those memories might go with it. 
I have absolutely no idea how to regain access to my photo bucket, the once popular website that serves as an online storage space for people's photos, because it's linked to an old Yahoo email account to which I can't remember the credentials. Photos I kept there, of the two months I spent in France when I was 13, of the friends I'd hang out with at the park next to the church in high school, are not gone, but lost. Theoretically, lost things can someday be found, but for those of us who no longer remember ridiculous passwords, nonsensical security question answers, or even which of our many emo-sounding email accounts we used as login credentials, was it the ghostfulhotmail.com or moonandantarctica at yahoo.com, some lost memories may never be fully recovered, end quote. And since we're speaking of memories... It's one step over to talking about actual history. Vintagecomputing.com has a piece up looking at why the Apple II didn't support lowercase letters. And in Fast Company, friend of the show Harry McCracken says, some serious tech history that he thought was lost forever has been found. What if you could listen to Steve Jobs doing a product unveil, the unveil of the very first Next Computer, which had its launch event almost exactly this time back in 1988. Well, if you check out Harry's piece from Fast Company, you can listen to that demo. All one hour and 44 minutes of the Steve Jobs Next demo from Boston 32 years ago. There's also some video of the same events and some other clips all thanks to a tech enthusiast named Charles Mann, clips of everyone from Bill Gates back in the day to Timothy Leary, and a ton more. Check out the piece. It's super cool. That's all for this week. No weekend bonus episode coming at you tomorrow, but I will take you out today at the end of this episode with a brief clip from the Steve Jobs Next Demo. So listen to that after this. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you on Monday. And start at the 10th floor and concentrate on their applications. Now, what I'd like to do now is do some live demos for you. We've got a machine up on stage here. Uh, for those of you that aren't software developers in the audience, I'd like to remind you of the first two laws of demoing. <laughs> first law of demos is that demos will always crash. And the second law of demos is that their probability of crashing goes up with the number of people watching. <laughs> so, if something goes wrong today, uh, have some compassion for the demoer. Okay. Now, what do you see when you sit down to a next machine? First thing you see is this. This is what happens when the machine is booting off the disk off the optical disk. Now, of course, we can hook up to a network and we can boot off a network at well, as well. So if you're booting off a network, you're going to see something a little more like this. Now, once the system's finished booting, you're going to see something like this. And it says, why don't you log in for me? So I go by the name S. Jobs. And if I manage to get my password wrong, it'll tell me. But if I get it right, it'll disappear and drop me into what we call the workspace. And this is the working environment that you will see when you first sit down to use the next computer. And there are three elements. First one is the menus.